1: Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.
2: On your home for the best Ravens coverage. It's time for News from the Nest with Vinny and Haney.
1: Sponsored by Hillside Lawn
0: Service.
3: The experienced lawn care specialists.
2: 1057 The Fan.
3: News for the next video at 81.057. The Fed. Ravens coming off their first loss of the season Sunday in overtime at home. To the Colts, John Harbaugh, Ravens head coach. Taking a lot of heat today. Yeah, I I guess yesterday he was totally getting torched.
2: Yeah, he's going to get torched. Whenever they lose, he's going to get torched.
3: Well, because when they win, it's not him. When they (laughs) lose, it's all his fault. But anyway... Zay Flowers, the fair catch after the safety where Minshew stepped out of bounds. What hell, What happened there?
4: Gardner know. stepped out of, out of the back of the end zone, right? So they ruled it 158, which changes everything in terms of the clock management. And while that was going on, we were in the huddle, and, and uh, you know we made the, the determination that we were going to fair catch anything because we were looking at an onside kick, pop-up kick, those kind of things for them to try to get the ball back. And, uh, and we did not do the job we needed to do to communicate to our guys after the change was made, once they were on the field, that uh, you know that changed. You know, we just got to do a better job communicating. I think communication is the basis for everything.
2: But Bob, let me ask you this: If it is one fifty-eight, there's going to be a TV timeout for a two-minute drill, correct? I believe so. Yeah, and there wasn't. So something's up because there's no. There hadn't been a two-minute drill.
3: And, you know, it's interesting you mentioned that because my cousin Al, who was watching the game with, but "Why didn't they? Where's the two-minute warning? Right? Why didn't they take a timeout?" Right. And I'm like, I don't know.
2: Yeah. And then that's when they put the time. Where's the
3: communication? But anyway, after the free kick, John Harbaugh, was there a consideration to maybe call a timeout there?
4: We thought we had to call in. So that was really, but no, looking back on it, I think right away afterwards, we all said to ourselves, we should have called timeout. So, uh, yes, I mean, if we'd have kind of, looking back on it in hindsight, we should have called timeout and we would have made it more clear. So. I, th- I know we'll learn from that.
2: I think the first thing Harb said was, what was it, Norm? We thought we had to call in. Isn't we that thought he, we had to call in. Yeah. So, so he says, we thought we had to call in. So I'm guessing that we thought that we, ha- Zay knew. And right. Zay didn't know, you know. Because the
3: assumption was from them, they thought it was a minute 58, not 2.05, whatever it
2: was. 2.03. But then when... They were starting to kick. Then it was two o three, you know. And then, because uh, if, if if they would have had Odell back there, Bob, uh, Odell, I think, because he's to me he's one of their smartest players. I think he just does the right thing.
3: Because Duvernay was up waiting for an onside kick Correct. scenario. Yeah. So Flowers catches it and returns it. You burn ten seconds off the clock, and, and well.
2: And, Bob, there was nobody within 15 yards of him, you know, so it would have been easy for him to do it, and then you got the two-minute warning, and then they have one timeout, and then you can run it down to, like, uh, 40 seconds, and you punt, and then they got to go 80 yards in 25 seconds.
3: Now, the Ravens did lose. Frustrating loss at that because they were trying to remain undefeated just like the Dolphins who drubbed Denver in the AFC. It's a loss. Frustrating loss. Other guys got banged up, but any panic button stuff here, John Harbaugh?
4: It's the third game of the season. Uh, the difference between being two and one and three and zero oh, is, uh, is you know, it's 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 a significant thing. you much rather it be three and zero oh than two and one, but it's uh, it's one game early in the season, and so it's not so much about whether you're three and zero oh or two and one right now. It's what you do with it going forward. You know, our guys, we make no excuses. You know, we acknowledge our errors
2: yeah um two and I mean Bob if they go beat Cleveland this week all right you're sitting three and one you're looking pretty good again you
3: redeem yourself
2: yes yeah you just you made a tough run yourself is what you did by losing one that you were supposed to win
3: and we talked about it all last week they stole one air quotes in Cincinnati where they were expected to lose right that three and0 oh was a foregone conclusion I mean everybody all of us, anyway, picked the Ravens to win, if not win handily. And then things got dicey, and they eventually lost. But now you have to bounce back into it the way that you can. It's video at Haney, 1057 The Fan. It is news from the nest here on this Turn It Up Tuesday. Lamar Jackson was under some duress. It's funny, the week after the Cincinnati game, where they kept him clean. And by the way, Cincinnati had Matt Stafford running for his life last night. Yep. Indy made things a little bit interesting for Lamar, didn't they? Yeah, each of
4: those are different. You know, there, some of them were – we had a number of design QB draws that also have their RPO-type plays. You know, there's plays like that that are in the offense. Everybody runs plays like that. So, different plays, they play out different ways. Certain plays, the two sacks played out certain ways each play, you know. We look at that stuff in, in great detail. It's not something I can really lay out in a press conference, you know. If we put the tape up there, maybe we could show you and talk about it. But it's not traditional to do that, you know. Four sack.
2: Yeah, on the one, Bob um... – Number 52 beat beat Macari around the corner. That was one. And then on the other one that he's talking about, you know, because he can't just say it was watching the film. It was a quarterback draw. I mean, because they got four wides, two wides on each side, and the receivers are basically running like turnout routes to keep their guys wide. The center, you know, I mean, if it's a pass, Bob, the center's not – eight yards down the field because it's going to be illegal man downfield and all that is in the middle of the field is 44 the linebacker and Mustafer. so and lamar with a blocker and one guy and a wide open field and then that's the one that i don't know why he's i don't know what the hell he was doing because he shouldn't but it was a quarterback draw and i think that you know, I mean, Harb's not going to throw Lamar under the bus, and that's why he said what he said. But I can say it because I just watched it on field. Lamar needed to run that one because they had some, all their quarterback draws, other than maybe one, were very productive.
3: Getting back to, you mentioned that, where Harb's isn't going to throw Lamar under the bus. People calling in today saying that he should take more accountability himself, Harbaugh, that is, instead of we. It's, it's like, I should be doing this. And then him just trying to make it more of a team thing where he's not, all right, you admit you screwed up, which he did a couple of times, Mm -hmm. but does he need to be more direct when he meets with the media when there's a screw-up saying it's I and and he's not going to throw his coordinators under the bus, but does he need to hold more accountability than other other than saying we? Because the vibe I get is he's not throwing them under the bus. It's a collective thing, not just any one individual coaching or a player.
2: Yeah, I, I would agree with that Bob. I, I think, you know because let's just say if if it's an offensive thing, Harbors ain't calling the plays. He's not designing the play, you know and if when he says we, you know, it's all included. It's Lamar, it's Monkin. it's it's the offensive it's all of them. You know, I mean if he says I, you know, I everybody knows Harbors ain't calling the play. He not, you know, I mean so I think he says it right. I mean, like on the on the uh, the timeout thing, that's a head coach. Sure. So that should be I. You know, I got to learn from that one.
3: Yeah, can't blame the long snapper on that one. It's has 105. Some of the Fed News from the Nets. Kyle Hamilton. Monster game.
4: First half was incredible. What about that usage for number 14 moving forward? Uh, I think it remains to be seen. No, I don't see. I don't see that necessarily. He plays safety, but... Uh, he played in the slot quite a bit in this game. We played we played a three safety type of a defense in this game, partly personnel, partly game plan. I would say, dictated by both probably, but he definitely plays well in there. I mean, it's definitely something that you have to think about because he's kind of a difference maker down in there. You know, he makes sacks, bats balls down, he he, he covers, you know, he covers downs number one, one on one, numerous times in man coverage. You know, that's pretty pretty impressive.
2: He did. He got beat on the one out. I mean, it's hard for that, that's like him trying to cover. Uh, flowers. I mean, because that Downs kid is extremely quick, in and out of cuts. I saw that, you know, Darby. He wore out Darby on one of those, you know, change of direction type things. But um, I think when you lose a Jabo on the fourth play of the game and how are we going to get pressure, then I think maybe they weren't going to plan on using Hamilton like that all the time. But they had to. I mean, how many times did you not see them blitz? Uh, Either a linebacker or Hamilton or somebody was coming most of the time because they couldn't get there with four.
3: Now, speaking of Ajabo and uh, Mike Garofolo, NFL Network reporting this within the last 15 minutes. Kyle Van Noy visiting the Ravens again, and he was here earlier. Tyus Bowser out, his return. I don't think anybody really knows when he's coming back. Oh, way and Ajabo now dealing with ankle injuries, pass rush depleted big time. And we saw a bunch of snaps from Robinson and moon on Sunday as well.
2: I'm guessing Bob, we're going to see Kyle vanoy pass physical and sign. I mean, last week we're sitting here and he's on uh Pat McAfee's show as we're watching, you know, now he's going to be in the Ravens. They need him. I mean, cause they can't go into that game with Cleveland. Cause it seems like Deshaun Watson's kind of starting to get his crap together a little bit. Um, you can't go in there with no rush and you got to blitz all the time. I mean, you're kind of living dangerously then. And they've got, you know, with Cooper and the, they've got some better uh, weapons offensively and more speed. So, uh, I would imagine that uh, Van Noy will be on the roster on Wednesday.
3: Ravens 2.5 point underdogs at Cleveland coming up 1 o'clock Sunday. We've got all week to break that one down. Ravens try to get to 3-1 and as are the Browns. Orioles tonight try to get closer to the AL East Championship as they host the Nationals. Kyle Bradish gets the ball for the Birds who win two in a row in Cleveland. Two huge wins at that 6.35 first pitch. Baltimore Baseball tonight brought to you by Salvo Auto Parts coming up at 5.30. Me and Ohio hall of famer mike bordick live from pickles pub we got your american league east report coming up in the one o'clock hour ryan ripkin joins us at the bottom of this hour to talk about the series that was and the week that will be here.
5: call from mom answer
0: it call silenced
6: instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game that's why they make ordering from your couch easy Are you buying?
3: Great cash, homie. Or are you selling?
6: I'm not gonna buy into that crap. 80 and 80.
5: 1057, the Fan.
3: Vinnie and Haiti 105.7 The Fan here on this Turn It Up Tuesday. Bob Haiti, Biddy cerrado Nolan McGraw, other side of the glass. Got a lot to get to. World of sports, week three NFL done. Orioles trying to clinch the East. Playoff spot still up for grabs in Major League Baseball. Maryland's 4-0 college football, so there's plenty to do. Big fight coming up. Charlo against uh, Canelo Saturday. But right now, let's count some early, week, uh, early week money buy or sell.
2: It says, Bob, the Dow drops as sell off intensifies. S and P five hundred falls to lowest level since June. So the Dow's down two ninety nine. The S and P's down forty eight. Nasdaq's down one sixty one. For some reason, DraftKings is up seventy two cents. Under Armour's down three cents to six bucks.
3: That's like. Uh... They got below six for a while there, I think. But it ain't 50 like it used to be. No.
2: It's like Odyssey.
7: (laughs) Next. (laughs) Quickly, quickly move on. Yeah. Uh, Saquon Barkley missed the Giants' week three game against the 49ers with that high ankle sprain, but reports are that he's going to try to be out there for their game next Sunday against Seattle. In his absence, the Giants' run game was almost non-existent. Matt Breida, Gary Brightwell combined for 22 yards on just eight carries in that loss on Thursday. But Vinny Byers' sell, Barkley will end up playing out of necessity in week four.
2: I'm going to sell it. I mean, a high ankle sprain takes like four to five weeks. A lot of times they go in there and do that surgery, you know, because that gets them back quicker with a high ankle sprain. I mean, I, I don't see. I mean, pain or injury. If it's pain, and I can tape you up, and you get a torn all shot, okay. But if you're gonna, if you're gonna hurt yourself worse, I think that's the big thing. Can he hurt himself worse? Yes. Forget it.
7: Go over to baseball here. Brewers manager Craig Counsell working on an expiring contract right now, and a while ago, initial reports were that he would be taking some time away from the game after this season ended, but. That appears to have changed. John Heyman now reporting that the expectation is he'll be managing somewhere next season. Maybe not in Milwaukee, though. Uh, Seems the Mets may be a team that's interested uh, in him. Brewers have won three NL Central titles in his tenure, uh, assuming win it this year if they haven't already clenched it didn't look at the standings. I apologize. Yeah,
3: they clinched a playoff
7: spot. They're going to win the division. Might be today. It's a formality. Correct. Uh, Nonetheless here, Bob, buy or sell. Milwaukee uh, would be foolish to let Craig Council go. Sure, I'd buy that. And by the way, I read
3: either Sunday or yesterday that him going to the Mets is not going to happen because Stearns, who was in Milwaukee, took over with New York. Now, will Buck Showalter be the manager of the Mets next year? That's another subject altogether. But I think he sticks around with the
7: Brewers. Go back to the NFL. The Vikings had a chance to take down the Chargers at the last second, but ultimately failed on their final attempt at the end zone. Uh, Time was expiring. A chaotic scene. They converted on fourth and five. Get down inside the 10. The home crowd is going crazy. So crazy, though, that it was apparently too loud for Kirk Cousins to hear the call from Kevin O'Connell in his helmet. Uh, they said as much afterwards. Still, they opted not to spike it there. They ran a play. Kirk's call. Uh, we know the result. It didn't work. But by yourself, Vinny, blaming your own crowd, not a good excuse for Minnesota's last-second mistake.
2: Well, I, I think they're just telling the truth. you know. But the big thing is, is after that play, you know you complete it. You got the first down. Everybody should be running up to the line to spike it, and he should be on spike, spike, spike. Don't worry about a play. You can get a play. Mm -hmm. You know, so I I think back to it, it's really the execution of their offense because you work on that kind of stuff all the time.
7: All right, how about a little college football here? Notre Dame, uh, they find themselves back outside the AP Top 10 for the first time since the preseason poll uh, after losing to Ohio State over the weekend. And the remaining schedule for them only features two more matchups against ranked opponents. Uh, first, it's Duke this week for them; they're favored in that one. Uh, Notre Dame is obviously, but then USC, <clears throat> excuse me, a little bit later in October, that'll be an exciting matchup. Buy or sell, Bob Marcus Freeman and Notre Dame will not re-enter the top ten this season. I'll buy that because I wouldn't be
3: surprised if they lose to Duke on Saturday in Durham. Duke's undefeated themselves. Notre Dame five-and-a-half-point favorites. Uh, Hartman's an outstanding quarterback, but their offense really got stoned by Ohio State's D. Duke probably definitely doesn't play defense like the Buckeyes. But, uh, yeah, I'll buy that. Not going to see the top
7: ten again Notre Dame. And we'll close here with the Colts, a team the Ravens got a good look at. This Sunday. No Jonathan Taylor appears to be no problem, at least for now, for Indy. Zach Moss went off again this past Sunday, now has 210 yards in two games this season. Uh, Jonathan Taylor can come off the PUP list next week. Uh, it sounds like he's still very interested in being traded, though. Question is Has the asking price changed at all on Indy's part? Is it still too high for another team to actually make a trade? But Vinnie sell the emergence of of Moss should make it easier for the Colts to part with Taylor.
2: I'll buy it. You know, and I think they're just, they just want value. But I think the value goes down when you see, oh, you know, kind of anybody in the offense can do it. So I, I, and supposedly they've uh, lowered the price. So we'll see. But I mean, still, if you got to give a two and pay the dude, you know, I don't know that anybody's going to do that
3: at 105.7 The Fan. will come back talk Orioles with Ryan Ripkin, our colleague on Baltimore baseball tonight, which, by the way, is up at 5.30 this evening, live from Pickles Pub. Me and bike boarder, getting you ready for the birds, trying to clinch that east. Hopefully, by the weekend, magic number is three. Any combination of Orioles wins, raise losses, equaling three, gives the birds their first division title since 2014. If you want to get in, you can at
1: 410-583-1057. Vic Carucci is going to be joining us for some
8: taking sports to a whole new level 1057 the fan
3: turn it up tuesday video at haney 1057 the fan bob haney video serato nolan mcgraw's on the other side of the glass orioles back on the diamond scheduled day off last day off of the season yesterday not trying to win this al east they win two in a row in cleveland Dramatic wins at that. Here to talk about the series that was, the week that will be. Try to put together Brad and Hyde's rotation for him. The assumption is the are going to win the East. He's our colleague, Baltimore Baseball, tonight. Joining us on the WGK Law guest hotline, he is Ryan Ripken. Ryan, what's happening?
6: Uh, not much. Happy Turn It Up Tuesday, as always.
3: Yeah, we're cranking it up to 12, as always. Let's go back to, well, Friday's loss. Disappointing heartbreaking, made you mad. I was actually mad for the first time this year after a loss. But then John Means takes the ball on Saturday night. And we go back a couple of weeks ago, Grayson against Tampa, what he did to stem the tide after the Orioles lost the first two games of that one. But, I mean, huge is an understatement. But watching Means deal on Saturday, what was going through your mind?
6: Uh, Honestly, just the fact that, that means he looks like he's ready for the postseason. You know, and I think that was something that, you know, Orioles fans and people were wondering, you know, what what would he look like coming back? And again, small sample size still, but the biggest check check marks in order, was he healthy after his first couple outings? The answer was yes. How deep could he go into a game? And we're seeing that his pitch count has – has risen, and I think on uh, that game, I think he threw 85 pitches, if I'm not mistaken. And then the last thing was, are you effective? And John Means was more than effective; he, he was dominant. And when you have all those three things now factor in, you got to feel incredible about where John's me- where John Means is, and then factor in also the magnitude of the game. The Orioles losing two in a row, you're trying to, or three in a row, I guess, if you're counting the last game in Houston. Uh, you need him, and he delivers. So I think everything was so encouraging, and you got to feel good for John Means as we head towards October.
3: And I guess getting lost in that whole shuffle was what Kyle Gibson did the very next day, Sunday, against the Guardians. I had the red zone Ravens and Orioles going on. My head was on a swivel, but Gibson was dealing, dealing in a big way. So as he solidified his spot, for the rotation in the postseason, Ryan Ripken, because I'm going to be positive and assume the Orioles are going to win the American League East this week.
6: I like that positivity, Bob. I'm all about positivity. Yeah, you know, honestly, you're seeing again why the Orioles brought in Kyle Gibson, and we've talked about his leadership in the past. You can't quantify what he's brought to the team on that level. But we've seen in big moments Kyle Gibson set up, step up. And that was a big moment because him going out there, the Orioles gaining the game on the raise, tremendous. Now, Kyle Gibson, because of his veteran experience and postseason experience, is going to be in the equation. And I wouldn't be surprised if he starts a playoff game. I don't know this crystal ball of mine. I'm not exactly sure how it's going to play out. But you've got to believe and factor in that a veteran that seems to show up in big moments, which, yeah, you can say, well, Kyle Gibson's ERA higher. Well, no, if you go back and look at some of his biggest moments recently and against some pretty uh, top-tier teams, he's done a very good job. So Kyle Gibson, um, can't say enough good things about him, and uh, I'm excited – to see uh, what what he can do and what can be in store for him in the playoffs.
3: So, Ryan, as we have questions, of course, about the starting rotation, I guess more around the bullpen right now. Now, Tyler Wells is back. He pitched two shot out innings on Friday. Where does he fit in? What's the closure uh, thing looking like? Is Cano blew the save Friday? But that pitched well Saturday, more of a setup role. What's Brandon and I going to do here in the bullpen in big games? Because, again, now we talk about me being all about politics Positivity Got to get a little negative. I still don't see Felix Batista throwing a baseball for the Orioles in October here.
6: Yeah, you know, I I think it goes back to what we've talked about in the past on on these call-ins and on BBT. I think it's going to be about committee. And and Cano is going to probably get the most reps, which he has. But I do think Hyde, as we've seen throughout the season, he's not afraid to do the matchup game. And after uh, Cano blew the save, you're right, different role right there. Um, and a guy that's familiar with also coming in, Danny Coulomb, feels like a guy that's been factoring in as, as of late. We've seen Cnl Perez mix in there. Wouldn't be surprised with Tyler Wells. I mean, this is the – I think it's going to take – I've used this phrase before, it's going to take a village. When you don't have Felix Batista, the guy that you can count on constantly, you're going to need the other guys to step up. So I don't think it's going to be one guy anymore. I think we're just going to see who does Hyde think in that moment late in the game – depending on the matchup who's going to be called upon and whoever it is, can they be prepared to face, you know, the tense situations that, uh, you know, lie ahead.
3: Ryan Ripken, our colleague, Baltimore baseball tonight, joining us here, Vinny and Haney, one the fan as he does every Tuesday on the WGK law guest hotline. How are you feeling about this Orioles offense in the final week of the season? Of course, all bets are off because a hot pitcher or a hot pitching staff could cool you down. Really good Oriole teams have been stoned in the playoffs historically, but the offense is what to you right now, Ryan, in the final week of the regular season?
6: And I feel great about them. You know, I, I think you have to feel great about what they've done. You can look at some of these moments of them being shut down over the last week or two, but they've also had some very explosive moments. And that's a part of baseball. That's about that the ups and downs. I think, honestly, the one thing that goes through my head, Bob, with, with everything that goes on is actually the Orioles do get the bye, which is tremendous. It's great. But sometimes the hardest thing as a player is to take time off because that gets you out of rhythm a little bit. So I'm not really worried about the end of the season for the Orioles. I think they're going to stay in rhythm, find a way to win the AL East. The next challenge is going to be with that time off. How do you stay prepared? Because it's hard to replicate game – Uh, reps when you don't have them even though it's a luxury to have off sometimes that's where you can find yourself getting out of rhythm
2: hey ryan kind of a little bit on on that subject let's say because bob thinks they clinch friday how does that change what hyder would do over the weekend if any you know with players pitchers you know to get ready
6: yeah, you know, I think maybe with some of your regulars that maybe might need a day, you could give them a day, technically speaking. But as far as your pitchers and, and some of your regulars, you still got to treat it as, well, how how do I want to approach this? Because the Orioles then are going to have some time off. And how do you keep guys ready? And, and you know, everyone's different, right? Some guys can say, you know what, I need those days. I'm fine with it. Uh, I'll, I'll be ready when the time comes. And you can do what we call, you know, uh, live vps where you can face some pitchers and practice and but that's still hard to replicate in the game right different intensity it's your own guys so i think it's a preference for different for different players um you know if there is one thing i would say i I would you know i think it would just be more if a guy like uh, adley rutschman you know needed a day you know an extra day because you clinched but uh, i still think you got to go through the everyday routine Because I think that's the thing that's bizarre to me with the playoff format is that you are structured to this whole regular season for 162 games, even with the off days built in. And then when you get to the postseason, it's a completely different schedule, especially if you get that bye.
2: Now, Ryan, what what will it be like for, you know, like, you let's just say that Tampa's playing Toronto and the the Orioles are on bye. What is it like for Elias and his group and Heider and them to get – the team ready, because it's two teams that you're familiar with, but you still got to have game plans and probably study, right? Kind of, kind of like football does.
6: Yeah. I mean, you're going to look at what's going on, but you know, especially with your divisional opponents, you have all the analytics, you face them enough. You're going to have an idea, but you're still going to be watching and studying because as you know, and this is with any sport, uh, certain guys can get hot at different times. And I think that's a, that's, especially something you're going to have to watch. And how can that carry over? Familiarity definitely plays a part. It's, it's not going to necessarily, I think the difference with, with football, obviously, you know, you can watch how a team is playing and it's a team concept. You know, Bob mentioned earlier, if a pitcher's on, a pitcher's on. Mm-hmm. Um, I think mainly for them it's going to be matchups and maybe that's how they could structure their roster depending on who they face in the upcoming round.
3: Ryan Ripken, our colleague, Baltimore Baseball Tonight, joins us every Tuesday. Vinny and Haiti, 105.7 The Fan, what do you make of that AL West in the final week of the season? Texas getting hot at the right time, and Seattle's getting cold at the wrong time. There's the understatement of the day, I guess, Ryan Ripken.
6: Yeah, you're not lying, and I still can't believe. Everyone, we thought that Texas was just falling off, but you know, credit to them. They've done a, a great job to battle back um, but at the end of the day, and we've, we've mentioned this before, you just got to be in the dance. And even though it's great to win your division, as we know, you feel better, you just got to get in and give yourself a chance to win it all. Um, and unfortunately for one of those teams, doesn't look like all three are going to be in. So uh, time will tell. It's been fun. And, and it should be an exciting last week of the season.
3: Ryan Ripkin joins us every Tuesday. He's our colleague of Baltimore baseball tonight. Ryan, we'll talk to you next week. And hopefully we'll be uh, getting together for a little BBT ALDS style in a couple of weeks here.
6: Fingers crossed. You guys have a great rest right. of your Thanks, day. Thanks,
3: Ryan. There's Ryan Ripkin. everybody. It's Vidy at Haiti, 105.7. The fan will come back, reset the program for you. Vic Carucci. Sirius XM NFL Radio be joining us 1 o'clock Talk about the league through the first three weeks of the season. Injuries galore. Baltimore dealing with a ton of them themselves. American League East report. will look at what happened yesterday, not just in the AL East, even though the Yankees, you know, kind of did a solid to somebody out there. In the National League, we got the feeble five, who are the five worst teams in the NFL. We gave you the dirty dozen, the 12 best, led by San Francisco. Who are the five worst? Plenty of candidates for that. Until the Gold Club opens.
2: Make it rain. Benny and Haiti. An
8: 1057,
2: the fan.
8: So now it's about how do you find an
2: innovative way to help Lamar Jackson increase who he is as a passer, to help the Baltimore Ravens be able to threaten the deep part of the field, Stephen A. And they aren't doing that at all. Well, everybody knows in order to win the one on ones, you gotta
8: create those for your player.
3: Ryan Clark on ESPN. I guess that was uh, first take. Yeah, it was Stephen A. Yeah, and uh, boy, that sounded a lot like what we've heard over the years with this Ravens offense. Of course, it's never Lamar's fault, right? But it was the offensive coordinator, so Todd Munkin, who was going to be this genius that maximized the potential of Lamar and the Ravens offense, and through the first three games of the season. Well, Lamar had a really good game against Cincinnati, let's not forget that, but underwhelming in their two home games. How does that sound? Yeah, offensively. I,
2: I, yeah, it it just but how much it, of it
3: falls on uh, Munkin is it so a play call thing? It's a combination thing? of all of them,
2: you know, would be my guess because we don't know um because Lamar's in such control of the we don't know um what the play call is, what what was supposed to be called, what wasn't supposed to be called, who he's supposed to throw it to, you know, all those things. But there hadn't been a ton of deep shots. But, you know, like on some of the plays, um, Lamar's probably, it's probably some Lamar's fault, probably some receivers running wrong routes and communication. I mean, we've we've heard, uh, you know, from Harbs, and it seems like there's been a lot of communication issues with the team, period. Early in the season.
3: Now, we knew, I mean, Todd Monk and himself even said, this is going to be a work in proce- uh, progress. progress yeah. Don't expect them to be the uh, 81 Chargers right out of the gate. But is this a slower process than you anticipated? By the way, let's not forget the injuries they've had, too. No. They've had a ton of injuries on offense, and they're leading back. J.K. Dobbins out for the year, lost him in the first game.
2: Well, I I think one of the biggest things they're missing, Bob, you know, because of the injury situation at the running back is, I mean, you watched the Kansas City game the other day, right? I mean, you see Pacheco and McKinney, the speed, you know, out of the running back, they're missing. They got three backs that are all the same. You know, none of them are burners and none of them's got the speed to get the corner. You know, like they miss, they miss uh, Hill. They miss Hill a lot because, you know, he can get on the outside. And then when Mitchell comes back, I'm, I'm anxious to see how they're going to use him because he's a 4'3". I mean, he's a fast – he looks fast, you know, on the field. But I, I just – right now, I don't see the speed. That's the biggest thing that I don't see. Like, when you – and Kansas City, they have better receivers than Kansas City, but Kansas City just looks like a much faster team. Than the Ravens, and they're not. But at the running back, they are because he just does a little flip here, a little flip there, and bam, he's
3: going to get fifteen. And not only speed and personnel, the tempo is just quicker too. It yeah. seems.
2: And I just thought that, Bob, the when they put Falele in, you know, I mean, I was like, damn, they're going to run because what they did the week before, they ran the same thing, and then the Colts guy just came shooting through the gap and made the play. I mean, I kind of thought. Yeah, that was the exact same thing with the same personnel grouping. That's too easy, you know. That's too easy to see.
3: It's video at 105.7 one oh five seven The fan Vic Carucci joining us for some NFL lunch top of the hour. Let's get out to the phones. Ed Narbutus, Ed, what's up,
5: Vinny, uh, Good day to you, gentlemen. Thank um, you. Uh, just wanted to let you guys know I'm always in recognition that I'm not even close to being in the same league with Benny or uh, any professional coach. But these are my comments today, if you guys can bear with me. Go ahead. Um, The Ravens coach is currently caught up in itemizing what went wrong in that football game. He needs to move on to the next game. Things are not ideal at the end of that game. However, the players playing that game had plenty of opportunity to be more fundamentally sound in their duties. For instance, take care of the football. Catch the football. Make all your snaps clean. Hit the ground to recover a fumbled football. If an opposing running back starts out running his own stretch right and he gets stuffed, he's not going to passively go down. He's going to attempt to try to change direction to bounce out, which he did four times. How about staying home and being there when he does? Backside edge containment is always paramount. It's the first thing taught when you're an edge player. It wasn't on Clowney's side and it wasn't on Hamilton's side. It was on the right side defense for the Ravens. And it allowed chunk yardage. And it allowed possession. You cannot allow yourself to be sucked in. They know that. These players know that. Last play of the game, Flowers clearly being held. The ref decides to eat his whistle. Many injuries incurred thus far with the Ravens, as you just mentioned, Bob. Last thing, none of these things I just mentioned have anything to do with the head coach. That's it, gentlemen. Thank you. All
3: right. Thank
2: you, Ed. Yeah, yeah. the, the uh, fumble recovery where Jeremiah Moon tried to go pick it up. But the guy who had it, Bob, Stevens is right there. He's sliding to recover, and he's like, knocks it out of bounds, or you know, or went through his arm. I'm like, come on. I mean, they were 0 for two. I mean, I can see where Moon tries to pick it up and go score and it gets swatted out. But then, all right, you got a guy who's doing it perfect. Cause I see them working on it in practice, recovering fumbles. He does it perfectly, but then it just squirts right out. I mean, come on. That and they would have got it on the plus forty two yard line. And then you got a chance maybe, you know, to kick a field goal right then. So yeah, I mean, he's talking about a lot of fundamental stuff and and we talked about it with the with the ends. You know, keep them contained. That, I thought the defensive line in the run stuff did a really good job keeping her shoulders square and doing those things. Because uh, other than a couple runs which got to the outside, they defended the run stuff inside pretty well.
3: Let's get back to the phones. Go to Baltimore. It's Jay, Jay What's happening?
8: Hey, good afternoon. How you guys doing, man? Hey, good. Jay. Hey, man. I just want to uh, just talk and talk about the the uses of Rashad Bateman, man. Let me preface this first. Thing. I know the he lack said lack of use. Yeah, his his hamstring tighten up later in the game, man. But I just think, like, what is the issue, man? Like, they they don't target him, and you can't do nothing if you're not getting targeted, man. And I was at the game uh, Sunday, and I was saying, I was talking to a couple of my friends. I said, man, Bateman been open all season. They just not looking his way. And sometimes he got a second or third corner on him. And he over there one on one. They are not even looking his way. And I told my friends, I said, man, why? Isn't a matter of time before he's gonna pop off? And they threw it one time to Zay Flowers, man, where he had the guy beat, man. And they got off the field. It was like a third down. And, boy, he was he was smacking his helmet like he probably was just yelling in disgust. And the guy's too talented for them not to use him, man. And and sometimes I don't want to speak, you know. But sometimes I just think, like, sometimes Lamar just is a South Florida thing, man. He four-speeded South Florida guys, man. That's just my take on it.
2: Well, when you're watching right, Jay, the film, thanks. he he does – you know, because a lot of times the routes are mirrored on both sides where Bateman and Flowers are running the same route. And if that's the case in both open, he's throwing to Flowers more times than not. And before it used to be Andrews, now it's Flowers. Because when you go up there and you're the quarterback and he's got the choice, I mean, if both corners are off, a lot of times is, you know, and you're throwing, a, say you're throwing a quick out, you know, you look up at matchups, but – What's the easier throw if one's on the hash and I, you know, or I I got a shorter throw, it's an easier throw, or I throw better to the right than the left, you know, all those things come into consideration. But a lot of times it's, it's his choice. If it's left, right, you know, if I'm running slants to both sides, all right, which one do I like? Who can win that? What matchup do I like better? You know, and it just seems like every matchup goes to flowers.
3: Put it in perspective real quick for you at the top of the hour. Bateman in three games has nine targets, seven catches. Flowers has 25 targets, 21 catches, averaging over 62 yards per game. Receiving Bateman averaging less than 20.
2: There you they, they go. They got to get them involved.
3: Vinny and Haiti, 105.7 of the fan will come back, talk about the NFL through three weeks. Vic Carucci, longtime NFL writer, series XM NFL channel, American League East report. Look at what happened last night. Major League Baseball updated. Look at the standings, including the Orioles taking on the Nats. That matchup, game one of two. And then the feeble five, who are the five worst teams in the NFL through these three weeks, which completed last night with Philadelphia and Cincinnati both getting wins.